2,000 years ago on Easter Sunday, 30 AD, 33 AD, somewhere right in there, an event happened that shook eternity. What happened? A man who died on Friday got up and walked out on Sunday. I remember it was Easter 2019. We just celebrated here on our campus last year, had massive crowds. It was awesome. And I went and ate a family lunch. Then I have to defrag on Easter. And so I took my shorts and took my work clothes and went over to a ball field at our local high school to do some, do some work over at the field and edge and, and get on a mower and do a little bit of work. And I was listening to Andy Stanley, a great pastor here in Atlanta at North Point. And Andy said he'd gotten a call from a, another pastor going, you know, I, I'm struggling with how to make Easter creative. And Andy's response, and I remember hearing this last year, was make it creative, make it interesting. Dude, a dead man got up and walked out of a tomb. I've been asked so many times this year, are you worried about Easter this year? It's going to be hard. Listen, regardless whether we're worshiping our houses, worshiping our offices, worshiping in our cars, or whether we're here on this campus, the fact remains Jesus got up and he walked out of a tomb, and it was a game-changing day. And maybe Easter 2020 will be remembered for more than just you We're at your house. Maybe this Easter, he becomes your Savior. So, why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you take out your Bibles, turn to the book of John, John chapter 20. If you've got your phone, right, you can go to your North Star Church app. If you've never downloaded it, you got a second to do it. North Star Star Church, Georgia. You go to that, download the app. It'll be right there if you're watching on one of our uh, platforms. You've got the notes there, John chapter 20. This writer, John, was one of the disciples that was closest to Jesus. One of the reasons this story, even those that choose not to believe it can't argue with it, was there's so many eyewitnesses. There are so many people that were there that saw the death on Friday and then saw the resurrected Savior. John was one of those guys, and his gospel was written so you and I could believe because he believed. Now, here's where we find the the disciples on that Sunday. We know on Friday, we know John was by the cross. We don't really have record other than the Marys, the followers named Mary that were there. It's four of them. We don't know where the other disciples were. But we do know on this Sunday that we're gonna read about, they had huddled up together and were hiding out. Now, This first Easter morning, we would think, if you'd heard Jesus say over and over again on the third down arise again, well, they would have all been waiting expectantly at the tomb. That was not the case. Because when darkness enters any of our lives, it causes us to forget the things we know, right? Isn't that what darkness does? What had done the same thing to the disciples? I want you to pick up the story with me. John chapter 20. We're going to begin reading in verse number one. If you got your Bible, I want you to circle right with me. Parents, you may be reading along with your kids, which is awesome. All right, let's read, let's read the story together. Now, on the first day of the week, we know that that was that Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. All right, let's call time out real quick. It's interesting to note that the very first person going to the tomb that morning was somebody with a checkered past, right? Mary Magdalene had a story. You ever wonder if God could ever include you in his story? We included her and he's gonna include some others along the way that, you know, they weren't perfect either. 
And not only was she not perfect, she was a lady. You know that a lady's testimony was not even entered into court back then? But yet God chose for the very first person to the scene to be Mary Magdalene. And look at the way the story's captured. The first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She didn't come there to see if he had gotten up walking out. She came to anoint one of the other gospels tells us. She brought spices with her to take care of his body. They had to so quickly get it down off the cross on Friday, get it in a borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. They had basically embalmed him. They wrapped him in the, in the grave clothes like what we had just watched here a second ago. While it was still dark, and the problem was she got there and saw the stone had been rolled away. That was a problem. It was a problem because the last time they saw that stone, this massive stone that covered the entrance to the tomb, it wasn't just a massive stone. They go, oh, nobody can get in that. It had a security system built into it. Here's what the security system was. It was a Roman legion of soldiers, basically the Green Beret, the Rangers, the Navy SEALs, they were guarding the tomb because nobody wanted there to be a missing body. That wouldn't do any good for the Jews who knew that Jesus had said he'd be resurrected. It wouldn't do any good for the Romans because it would incite an insurrection of his followers. It was in everybody's best interest. The body stayed in that tomb. So when Mary showed up and the stone was rolled away, Mary's like, oh my gosh, there's a problem. Not he's resurrected. There's a problem. And look at where the story goes. She ran. She didn't even go in. She ran, went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, and you'll see who it is, the one whom Jesus loved. It sounds like a child talking about, you know mom loves me best. John just wants you to note, Jesus goes, he, he did love me best, so I think I'll put that in my gospel. And 2,000 years later, everybody will know. All right, and so let's pick up the story. And said to them, look at what she said. Oh, ye of little faith, they have, what does it say? Taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. Now, we don't know if she meant the Romans. We don't know if she meant the Jews. But she thought that his body had been stolen. And we don't know where they've laid him. Not where the risen Savior is. See, darkness causes us to forget what we know to be true. We, we said the phrase last week. I learned from my pastor growing up, never forget in the dark what you know to be true in the light. Well, they forgot. They'd heard Jesus say it tons of times. I'm gonna get up on the third day. I don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple. We know that's John. And they were going toward the tomb. Both of them, notice, John notes, they were running together. This is one of my favorite things written in all of Scripture. Telling the greatest story we're reading 2,000 years later. And John wanted you to know he outran Peter. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. So Simon Peter, blah, I win, you lose. But then the story gets really interesting. You learn their personalities. And stooping John to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he didn't go in. But Simon Peter came, following him. He went right in the tomb. He saw the clothes lying there, the face cloth, which had been covering Jesus' face, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Literally, it was like rolled up. If you stole the body, those clothes are everywhere. They are just lying there. Why? Because he got up 
and left them. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and I love this, and he saw, if you, if you got a physical Bible out or you've even got your app, I want you to underline this phrase, and he, what does it say there? He believed. Now this is interesting. John said in his gospel, he has written all these things that you might believe. John saw all the miracles, but all of them got to hear that morning. All the things he had put away in his mind, now he believed. He got it. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Isn't that interesting? So the very first Easter, they weren't gathered together in a big service going, Woo, let's praise Jesus. No, 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 no. They went back and they gathered together in their homes. A lot like where you are today. Weird Easter, isn't it? But it maybe is just where God wanted us to get our attention. So we've, we've spent seven weeks talking about Jesus' last words from the cross. What he said to the thief, what he said to his mom, what he said to John, what he said to God. All the statements we've hit. I'm not going to hit them all. We've spent seven weeks talking about those statements but today, we're going to talk about the first words Jesus said to his disciples after his resurrection. Now listen, they've got their tail between their legs. If I'm Jesus and it was my first party back, oh buddy, I'm going to lay it on thick with these guys. Because he's got every reason in the world to hammer them. They've joined together by Sunday evening where we pick up the story He's come out of the tomb on Sunday morning. By Sunday evening, where we pick up the story, they've huddled up behind a locked door. Let's pick up the story. On the evening, verse 19 of the, that day, the first day of the week, the doors being, it tells us there, John tells us, they were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They were so worried the Jews were gonna blame them for the missing body. They didn't wanna be killed. They locked the door and they were hidden away. They wanted no part of it. And Jesus came and he stood among them through the locked door. Jesus appears in the room and he says to them this, this is a great statement, peace be with you. Right where you're at this, this morning, I want you to say this with me. Peace be with you. They had everything but peace. You know what they had? They had fear. See, fear is the polar opposite of peace. See, where there's fear, there's no peace. Jesus appears in this room with them and he says, peace be with you. For some of you, man, the world that we're living in right now, you don't have any peace. You have all kinds of fears. You have all kinds of doubts. You have all kinds of worries. Jesus' first words to these guys, get this, peace be with you. And we know this, you can't have the peace of God till you have peace with God. And Jesus doesn't leave it there. He doesn't just disappear. Look at what he says. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. See, his hands were where the nails had gone through. And his side was where the spear 
had gone into and it punctured the pericardium and, and it rushed out blood and water, which signified the man is dead. Then the disciples, and I love this phrase, they were glad when they saw the Lord. I bet they were. They were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so now even I am sending you. What an Easter. And these guys went from being cowards to every last one of them being killed for their faith. John was exiled. The rest of them were tortured, basically, for their faith. What would cause you to do that? They saw a resurrected Savior. They knew that that man that had died on Friday got up and walked out on Sunday. Even now, if you go and visit Israel, they'll show you what's called the garden tomb. Most scholars don't think that was actually where Jesus was. It's just symbolic of where he was. They think it's in another location, but nobody really knows. And you're like, well, Mike, if that was really real, why don't they know where the tomb was? Because there was no body to go back for. There was no reason to venerate a tomb when you have a Savior that stepped out. And what he said to them, he says to us, I want you to write down three things. Ready? Principle number one, I can give you peace in the middle of your fear. I can give you peace in the middle of your fear. You know what I love about this? Jesus doesn't bust them for their fear. He could have. Guys, I told you. How many times I gotta tell you? I told you what I was gonna do. No, what he said was, Peace be with you. In the middle of your fear, I bring you peace. That's a good word for us today, isn't it? Some of you parents that are watching in today, you have more fears than you've ever had. Fears about employment, fears about finances, fears about your kid's future, fears about what our world's gonna look like at the end of this. Fear, 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 fear. Some of it's the fears of the present, right? We've got present realities that are fearful, we watch a lot of news, and, and we, it, can, it can scare us. There's some present realities that are, cause fear. There's some future realities that cause fear. For some of us, though, it's not what we're going through that's causing the fear. It's what we've done in the past that's causing the fear. Can I tell you what he came to do them for them? He can do for you. He can bring peace in the middle of your fear. I don't know how you tuned in today. I don't know where you tuned in from, but some of you, you need that peace. See, it's crazy though, if I, I want the peace, but unless I have peace with my heavenly father, I, I'll never find true lasting peace. I'll get short-term peace. Oh, the news was good today, it's good. Well, the news is bad tomorrow and I'm bad. Peace with God. I love the way he said it. Peace be with you. How can he bring peace in the middle? Listen, he walks in and stands with you. One of my favorite verses in all the Old Testament, what is, it says, Scripture says, he is near to the brokenhearted. As near as he was to them, because of his resurrection power, because of the Holy Spirit's presence in this world, he can be near to you too. Isn't that amazing? He didn't have to meet us at 3413 Blue Springs Road. He can meet us in Columbia, South Carolina or in Columbia, South America. 
He can meet us in Cartersville or Accor, right where we are. And he brings peace. But look at principle number two. I can give you a relationship with your heavenly father. The father has sent me. I can give you a relationship with your heavenly father. I can help you have peace with God. This peace that money can't buy. Peace that stuff can't help you with. Peace that jobs will never give you. I can give it to you. I can give you peace with my heavenly father. You, you think about Jesus. Jesus had a mission. And here was his mission. Everybody look at me right through the screen. His mission was you. You were the picture on his fridge. You were the thought on his mind on that cross of why he endured it when he would love to have gotten out of it. Jesus said this in John chapter three. For God so, love this word, loved unconditionally, loved the world that he gave his one and his only son. I heard a speaker, it was really good, he lost his wife to cancer. And he said so many times during that battle, I cried out, God, why don't you answer my prayer and save her? Do you even know what I'm going through? And this is the impression God left on his heart. Do I know what you're going through? I lost my son. And I didn't save him so I could save you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, doesn't matter your race, your socioeconomic status, where you live, what you drive, whoever believes in him would never perish and they would have everlasting life. I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. Nobody can get to my father but through me. 37 years ago on Easter Sunday, I made peace with God. 14-year-old kid, didn't get it. I knew it, but I didn't get it. And that day I believed. Some of you are in a place this morning, you could have never heard it like you're hearing it now. You got your nine-year-old son and your 12-year-old daughter sitting beside you. And they've got more peace with God than you do. Today, I want to be your Easter. Would you pray with me right where you are? Would you pray with me? I want you to pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, would you just pray that? Dear Lord Jesus, I need peace with you. Mm. I believe you live for me. And I believe you died for me. I believe you got up and walked out of that tomb just for me. All of heaven sits and waits. Jesus, would you be my personal Lord and Savior? Would you pray that? Jesus, would you be my personal Lord and Savior today? I want to ask you into my heart.
Jesus, thanks for stepping out of a tomb 2,000 years ago to step into a heart in 2020. Jesus, we give this over to you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Today, if you prayed that prayer with me, today, if you ask Christ in your heart, I want you to take your phone out. I want to know. I want to celebrate. I want to be able to send you a note this week and go, add a baby. I want to give you the biggest six-foot distance high five and hug because you are why we're all here. It's you. It's why he came. It was you. If you did that, I want you to text NSC Follow. Text 555-888 to NSC Follow. Heaven is celebrating your welcome home party right now. Your name has been written in that book. Good night. You are why we're here. You're why he got up. Text 555-888. NSC Follow because we want to celebrate with you. You are why we are in business. You are why we show up every Sunday. You are why he got went to the cross, and you're why he got out. Welcome home. Welcome home. But the party doesn't end there. He leaves us here for a reason. You have a purpose that you've been sent for. You have a purpose beyond you. Your purpose is others. We say it here at North Star. Your purpose is others. As my Father has sent me, so I send you. Mike, that makes me nervous. So you're telling me he left me here with a story? Oh, yeah, yeah. You're telling me he left me here with that truth to look like Jesus? Oh, that's what I'm telling you. Mike, that makes me nervous. Oh, fear's okay. He's bigger than that fear. You can praise in spite of your fear. Let's go and help people find their way home and praise in spite of our fear. Let's go.